are in Joshua. Excited to get into uh, into this book. Um, so, just want to get straight into it because there's a lot to cover this evening. Uh, a lot in just these few verses that we have in the first chapter. Uh, but let's go before the Lord and ask His blessing, and we'll get into His Word. Heavenly Father, we thank You. Lord, for this Word that You are going to give us this evening, Lord, I pray that this Word falls on fertile ground. Lord, that it's a, it's a heart that not only receives Your Word, but is, is ready to receive and for its roots to shoot deep, Lord, and to bring forth fruit to Your glory. Lord, encourage us this evening, I pray, just as you did to Joshua. You spoke these words to Joshua, Lord, and they're just as real to him and true for him as they are for us today. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us understand that, that we would be encouraged, Lord, built up, strengthened by you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So last week we went over basically an introduction to the book of Joshua, and today we begin this chapter, chapter 1. Israel was on the threshold of the promised land, as we've come to know. We've been in that place now for a few weeks. Uh, They're just east of the Jordan, and they would soon come across Jordan and enter into the promised land. The Israelites, they'd been redeemed by God through their deliverance from Egypt. They were delivered from oppression. They were delivered from slavery and bondage. But there was this wilderness between Egypt and their promised land that they still needed to traverse, come across, and over the Jordan and into the promised land. Remember that it was during Israel's time in the wilderness that they learned just how faithful God was to them. I mean, He had demonstrated by His strength, His power, um, you know, when they were delivered from Egypt, you know, he demonstrated all of that, but then he showed his faithfulness to them throughout the whole time that they were in the wilderness. He provided food and water for them, clothes that did not wear out. He led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And we know that God gave them the law. They were free from bondage to the Egyptians. But they were still being built up and prepared and strengthened to take possession of the land that God had promised to them. They were to do so not just by occupation, but they were to do it. God desired for them to do it in a prosperous and in a successful way. Now, we need to also think about how this parallels our lives in the Lord. Because if this sounds at all familiar with our lives, then you're on the right track. You see, at the time of salvation, we're free from bondage to sin, and we are delivered by the grace of God. The blood of the Lamb was covered, has covered us, and therefore the angel of death passes over us. We are saved and forgiven, and we have been delivered, but we have not entered into our promised land at that point. You see, the promised land is abundant living, a victorious Christian life, as I believe Alan Redpath penned and is the title of one of his books. The abundant life is one in which we are victorious, successful, mature, walking upright before the Lord, and really understand how it is we are to praise and worship Him with our very lives. But there are many people even today that die in the wilderness, spiritually speaking, because of unbelief, rebelliousness, doubt, worry, anxieties, and other things that they allow to overwhelm them in their faith. And they never enter into that place of knowing the promised land, of of living that abundant life, of really truly having that joy that no one can take away, like living it, understanding it. Perhaps you know of someone like that. I said it last week, but I'll say it again and remind us that Jesus and Joshua, the name is the same. Joshua is a Hebrew word that translates to Jesus in the Greek. I heard a story, uh, I read the story of a flight student, and he wrote this. He said, some years ago, when I was learning to fly, 
My instructor told me to put the plane into a steep and extended dive. I was totally unprepared for what was about to happen. After a brief time, the engine stalled and the plane began to plunge out of control. It soon became evident that the instructor was not going to help me at all. After a few seconds, which seemed like eternity, my mind began to function again. I quickly corrected the situation, and immediately I turned to the instructor and began to vent my fearful frustrations on him, as you and I would do, right? He very calmly said to me, There is no position you can get this airplane into that I cannot get you out of. If you want to learn how to fly, go up there and do it again. I'm reminded about uh, uh, Bettina's cousin, Anthony. He's taken flight lessons, and he he was telling me how his instructor, (laughs) he stalled the engine on purpose and showed him how to get out of it. And so kind of this story reminded me of that and how was that this is a valuable lesson for us in our trust of God. There is no situation we can get our lives into, ourselves into, that God is incapable of getting us out of or through. There is nothing beyond His power and ability. Nothing at all. And with that in mind, we come to God's introduction to Joshua. Uh, His very own words of uh, his commissioning him and his initial words that God gave him that were to serve Joshua as he entered into the promised land across the Jordan, leading the Israelites. It would serve us well tonight to consider these words in order to dwell in the abundant life. And in so doing, we can know Christ in a fuller way, in a deeper way. Living a victorious Christian life with God, there is truly nothing that he is incapable of getting us out of or through successfully. So let's see what the Lord said to Joshua, beginning in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will, have, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can we turn up the house lights, please? There you go. Is that better? Yeah. They can read your, <laughs> your text. You can bring them up. Moses was how old when he died? You guys remember? 120 years old. Today I met and prayed with a 98-year-old young lady. She had actually, uh, her daughter was telling me that she, she, served, she had served the Lord all, all these years. And she's been faithful to him. And uh, it was such an honor and a blessing to be able to hold her hands and, and pray with her and pray over her. But, uh, but Moses was 120 years old, and he was faithful to the Lord. Deuteronomy 34, 7 says that his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. He was strong. He was strong. In other words, Moses was strong and vibrant to the day he died. The Lord sustained him through the days of his life, but he did die. And they mourned him for 30 days. 
And so the Lord was bringing this to Joshua's attention. Listen, I want, to, I want you to understand something. This is the end of the road. The, Moses is with me, right? You are his successor, and you are going forward, and I am with you, just as I was with Moses. But you are the one that has been chosen as his successor, to bring the children of Israel across the Jordan and into the promised land. Deuteronomy 34, 9 says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. And here God spoke to Joshua personally and commissioned him to take leadership of the Israelites and lead them into the land that God had promised them. And what God is saying to Joshua is, Listen, Joshua, I keep my promises. And you are the man I have chosen to accomplish the work of bringing the Israelites across the Jordan and into the promised land. Oh, how important it is for the man who has been called to a work to be faithful to fulfill it. Not stopping in the middle, not stopping when it gets difficult, not stopping when he comes to some kind of confrontation, but just follows through to the very end. Joshua was not called upon to do it half-heartedly. Joshua was called upon to bring the people of Israel across the Jordan and into the Promised Land completely and fully, and God expected him to do it. This should speak to each and every one of us. As God calls us to do something for Him, we ought to do it regardless of the circumstances that surround us. In fact... In spite of that and because of that, we should continue to follow through, knowing that all things work together for good. Right? You guys know, right? We're to continue to persevere, follow through. Joshua was such a man. Verse 3 tells us that the land will not be won to them while they sit on their laurels. I love that. But rather, they will need to enter into possessing it by faith in God and His Word by advancing. It says, For every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. Their problem is that they didn't tread on enough land. They didn't continue to advance. God had already promised it to them. Advance, move forward in faith. I've given it to you. Do you believe that? God speaks and we act in obedience, demonstrating our love for Him. And in faith acting, demonstrating our belief in what He says will come to pass and is certain. You know, sometimes we, we can say, we have all the faith, we believe in you, uh, we, we trust in you, and yet we fail to advance in treading upon the promises of God, receiving them for what they are and how He promised them to us. What is interesting in what we see here is that God was more than capable of completely eliminating the Israelites' enemies. I mean, he could have just spoken the word, a thought from him, and they were done. But he didn't do that. God called them, the Israelites, into this relationship that proves itself through faithful action. The promised land awaited those who believed and were willing to fight the enemy in partnership with God. That's how we demonstrate our love for God, in walking faithfully with Him. That's how we demonstrate our, our devotion and commitment to each other, through action. Those times that are most difficult, do you come alongside your brother or sister? Do you hold their hands up when they need you most? You see, with God, this relationship with Him is amazing. He gives us His Word, but then He expects us to walk it out, especially as we profess our faith to Him and our love to Him. For us, it's walk it out. Put some feet to that faith. Verse 5, let's read it again. It says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. 
So God promises Joshua that because he will never leave him, that not one person will be able to stand before you. There is not one person that you come up against that will be victorious and defeat you. In other words, what God is telling Joshua, hey, just like I was faithful to Moses, I will be faithful to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm with you wherever you go. Let me tell you something that with man, you will have disappointments. People will say they'll be with you to the end and the next moment. They don't remember who you are. Here one moment, gone the next. That's why it's so important for us to be also faithful and devoted to each other, to follow through with our commitments, to be people of our word, and to follow through. It it is so encouraging. Let me tell you something. I was just talking to, I, I talked to two pastors in the last two days, and we were talking about how encouraging it is when you have people come alongside and just, they're, they're faithful. They just, they're so encouraging, uplifting. I ran into one, uh, both Calvary Chapel pastors, one, one's in Tennessee and the other one is over here in uh, Paris. And uh, in, in fact, I saw the one in the hospital um, and we were just talking and he was pointing to one person who was saying, it's because of people like her that keep me going. Because of, the work that I've seen her allow the Lord to do in her life and how she's just been growing and allowing the Lord to get her through difficult times in her life. And I see the Lord working in her life. And she's been there at his church for a long time. That's encouraging. That's encouraging to one another. There is one, though, that will never, ever disappoint you. And that is the Lord. Always remember that. No matter what, keep your eyes fixed on Him. We'll let each other down. At some time, we'll let each other down. But don't ever for one second, one moment, ever believe that God has forsaken you. He never will. He never does. The problem is not that God's not with you. It's that you keep relying on what you know instead of who you know. We need to search God's infinite riches to help us in our time of need. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find Him if you seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul. With all your being, just everything you're seeking after Him. It's like you're pursuing Him. You're clinging on to him. I remember uh, my, my cousin, uh, Joey, um, I used to go to his ranch on a regular basis. His parents had five acres, my aunt and uncle, and so it was a horse ranch. And um, he had this little colt. His name was Amigo. He was a buckskin and a quarter horse. And he was old enough to put a rope around him, and he was kind of trying to train him and uh, get him used to it. And on this one, one occasion, he had a lead rope on him, and uh, Amigo got spooked, and he started running. And as he's running, Joey's holding on to the rope. And I'm thinking, I, I'm, yell, I'm, I'm thinking, but then I started yelling, Joey, let go, let go, let go, right? And all of a sudden, it was poof, and he was maybe 10 years old, 11 years old. He was like Superman, up in the air. And he landed. And now his mom's yelling at him, Joey, let go! Right? And he hits and he's dragging. He's like, you know those westerns where he's like dragged behind the horse? He's getting dragged behind the horse and he's just going. He goes for a good probably, I don't know, 15, 20 yards or so. Well, their land is filled with DG, dirt and gravel. Um, he wasn't looking too hot, his chin and everything, but he sure was clinging to that rope. Listen, when we cling to the Lord, it should be with everything that we have. He didn't have the strength to hold on to I don't know how he held on to it, right? The only thing with the Lord is he's, he's not going to drag us through the dirt. He's going to uphold us. He is 
the lifter of our heads. He holds us up. He strengthens us. We just need to cling on to Him. That's all we need to do. Do you trust that God is always with you and if you walk in His promises that no man is able to stand against you? There's no one that can stand up against you. They may ridicule you, uh, try and shame you, but before the Lord, that's what's important. With the Lord and before the Lord, no man can stand against you if you're living an upright life before Him. Let's read once more verses 6 through 9, which says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here God is telling Joshua what he wants him to do. This is how you do it. What I love about these words of God to Joshua is they were his OPs. His operating procedures, very simple and to the point. If ever Joshua had to go back to the fundamentals, all he had to do is go back to this very succinct, very direct, very clear. Joshua, you're missing it. Go back to the fundamentals right here. He's giving him instructions. And God was telling Joshua, I want you to go into the land, conquer it, and divide the land among the people. Imagine, listen, one thing that would be very difficult is going in and conquering the land. There was still another thing that would be extremely difficult, and that would be divvying up the land among all the tribes. You're like, okay, so Reuben... You get this portion over here. Well, why do I have that portion, you know? Why don't I get this portion over here? Have you ever tried to give, like if you have more than one child, you know, you give, start, start giving presents to your children? It's like, well, why does he or she get that? And why did you give me this? Like, just be happy with what you, get, what you have, right? But I would imagine that would be difficult as well. But God is calling on Joshua to exercise strength and courage. He tells him three times, be strong and courageous. Three times. Why? Because perhaps he's telling them to be strong and courageous because he knows that that is the very thing that he will need at the moment he goes into the promised land to conquer it. But he will know in the Lord, as he advances in faith, And how he sees the hand of God continuing to go before him. How faithful God is. How powerful he is. Confidence in God is much better than confidence in ourselves. Oh, the flesh will is weak. Um, The heart is deceitful. Who can know it? Uh, The flesh will fail us, right? The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And it's true. Our confidence should be in the Lord, not in ourselves. I think Joshua had a good idea when he, uh, of what he needed to do, and, and not because of the example he had in Moses over the years, but because of God's faithfulness in the life of Moses as he served and led according to his word. But Joshua saw that example in Moses. He saw the things that worked and the things that didn't work. Um, his, the times when he was faithful and other times when he, he wasn't so faithful. He saw it all. And I think Joshua knew that it was a spiritual battle. But many times I think we forget that our battles are fought outside of our physical realm, our circumstances, and with our earthly resources. We forget about that. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts 
of wickedness in the heavenly places. And God is now telling Joshua how it was that he was to prosper. To stay focused on following and living out God's Word. To not be distracted. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Walk in what I have told you. Remain on that path. I've given you by my word. Remain on that path. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Joshua needed endurance. Joshua would not last nor lead effectively if he was not focused on God's Word. He would lose heart. His heart would melt with fear. He would not be courageous. He would not be strong. The writer of Hebrews likens the Christian life to a race. Can you imagine a person getting on the track, on a racetrack, placing his feet on the starting blocks with a What's, what's that on his back? What is it? A backpack? Does he have a backpack? That's interesting. And what's that smell? Is that, is that trash? Heavy, stinky, wet trash, dripping. The weight alone would slow the runner, probably fatigue him at some point in the, in the race. Runner would say, it's just, it's too hard, I quit. As if that isn't difficult enough, I'm sure the smell of the stuff inside his backpack would overtake him and cause him to stop at some point anyway. God tells Joshua to abide in his law and he will prosper wherever he goes. If you do that, you will not be carrying a backpack full of anything. Anything that can slow you down, a a weight that brings you down, anything that can ensnare you. Walk in the ways of the Lord and avoid those things. To put blinders on and stay focused on leading a life of integrity according to God's word and to be strong and courageous in so doing. And the Lord knew that's why he was encouraging, encouraging him. Stay on the path. Do not veer off. This is very important and critical to the well-being of you and my people. Stay on that path. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Now we get to the details of how it is that Joshua is going to have success and prosper in his God-given mission. It's by following this prescription, if you will, that Joshua will have the faith and the courage and the strength necessary to accomplish what God is commissioning him to do. God says here, Joshua, here's exactly what you need to do to be successful in the things that I'm telling you to do. This is how you can focus. You can do it by focusing on my law. This is what I'm saying you are not to deviate from doing. Focus on my law. Meditate on it. May it be in your mouth. And he's telling them, by the way, I'm guaranteeing you will have good success if you follow what I'm telling you to do. Just follow it. How's God speaking to you right now? I hope he is. You know, you came expecting, you know, for him to speak to you. Because this is truth that God has given to each one of us to follow and to know for success or glorifying the Lord in our lives. In other words, do this and you will be prosperous and have good success in your relationship with the Lord and accomplishing his will in your life. You, you will know what it means to walk uprightly before him. I'm not talking about monetary, financial uh, possession. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a prosperous, abundant, 
successful life in a good relationship with the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. That's the, the, the abundant life. That's, the, those are riches. And he tells them, number one, learn and speak the Word of God. Number two, meditate on the Word of God. Number three, obey and do the Word of God. This will equal successful living before me. You will have success in the land that I'm bringing you into. Number one, learn and speak the Word of God. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You can't speak what you don't know. So the first step is to learn the Word of God. Paul said to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 I know, I know, I know, studying takes time and effort. And isn't what everyone desires to do. I fell in love with studying when I came primarily to the Lord and wanted to know more. I wanted to know more. So I kept reading. If I can give you one really good benefit to learning the Word of God, would you commit yourself to studying it? The Lord gives all kinds. I quoted Hebrews 12.1 earlier and where it says that sin can ensnare us, it, it tangles us up. Can you imagine being in time of war, running across the battlefield to take cover, and all of a sudden you get tripped up on something? You're down, you start to take on fire, bullets are flying by you, and you realize that it's the wire that you didn't take time to cut away from your pack earlier. It ensnared you. It brought you down. It pinned you down. It put you in harm's way. That's what sin does, by the way. It entangles you. It brings you down. It's a weight. It burdens you unnecessarily and by our own doing because we ourselves did not take the time to confess that to the Lord, to repent and turn and walk on that path that the Lord gives us according to His Word. You're entangled pretty good and out in the open. What do you do now? Well, many times for the soldier, it's too late. For us, Thank God that He tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We simply cry out to the Lord, just as Peter, when he was sinking in the water, cried out to the Lord, save me. We still cry out to Him. Scripture tells us exactly how it is that we can know how to remove the snare of sin from our lives, from avoiding the entanglement of sin. In fact, Psalm 19.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I, have not, that I may not sin against you. And here's a test of what you're storing up or hiding in your heart. What do you talk most about? What is on the tip of your tongues? What, what's, what are you thinking? Is it the word of God or is it something else? Is it worldly wisdom, psychology, or is it... The Word of God. Is that what's there? You know, you're dealing with certain issues. And you're filled with anxiety and doubt and worry. And what comes to the forefront of your mind? God's Word? Or nothing? Whatever it is that you talk about most is what you're saturating your heart with. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 34. The question is, when are we to speak the Word of God? Well, we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. In other words, at all times, in all ways, in every circumstance, that's what comes out. You teach and you speak. You live the Word of God. Don't stop talking about the Word of God. Always have the Word of God before you, leading you, directing you, covering you. So learn and speak the Word of God. Next, God tells Joshua, meditate on the Word of God, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Reminds me of 
Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he will meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. What does it mean to meditate? I've heard it said that Satan majors in three areas. Noise, hurry, and crowds. We have all, all three, like in abundance. Sometimes we bring it right to us. <laughs> it, it's all there. All three of these are opposed to and work against developing and maintaining the mind of Christ through studying and meditating on the Word. If you allow them to overwhelm you and overcrowd your life, that's what what will take. That's why you don't have time. Because you've given yourself to all of that. They are designed to keep us out of the Word, which is so essential to our ability to avoid the delusions of Satan and the world system and to hear and respond to the call of God on our lives, which was important for Joshua to have victory in his battles. And so it is important in our lives to gain victory in our battles. It's that time. You know, Psalm 46, 10 says, have you guys memorized that? You guys know that one, right? Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we just, it's not that we go and we empty our minds. We, We don't, the Christian life is not emptying our minds, by the way. It's allowing the Lord to fill our mind with his word and so being conformed into his image, being transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? So when we're still before the Lord and consider him above all else, he's actually, we're allowing him to to remind us of his path, his ways, his word. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Meditation means the act of focusing one's thoughts, to ponder, to think on. Meditation consists of reflective thinking and to discern its meaning or significance. In other words, that's why it's so important to to fill our minds, our thoughts with the very Word of God, that we may think on how does that apply to my life in this place that I'm in right now, this most difficult of circumstances, this difficult decision that I need to make, how is it that I can apply God's word to this? The goal of Christian meditation is to internalize and personalize the scripture so so that its truth can affect how we think, our attitudes, our perspectives, how we live, our actions. So Joshua was given the second command to meditate on the law 24-7 so as to not allow the enemy any room to fill his thoughts at any time. So number one, learn and speak the word of God. Number two, meditate on the word of God and which is a natural, supernatural progression, divine progression and the result of obey and do the word of God that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. That is the law. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. If we say we love God and sin against him on purpose, habitually, then we are liars and the truth is not in us. Of course, that's paraphrased according to 1 John 2, 4. God told Joshua that in order to prosper and have good success in his mission to conquer the promised land and occupate that that he must observe to do the whole law. Not part of it. Not portions that he wanted to and other portions that he didn't. But all of the law. Observe it. Apply it. Live it out. We need to ask ourselves, do you think these are radical instructions? Not at all. They, they aren't. If we know who God is and, and how much He loves us, we know these are not radical instructions. These are not 
instructions and commandments that he gives us that stifle us, that uh, snuff the life out of us, you know, put us in a box. These are the very things that liberate us. We come to a good understanding of how to live life. We know the answers to life. How we are to conduct ourselves. But God is not leaving any room for Joshua's mind to be occupied with something other than him. It's with the Lord. I think we wonder sometimes how it is that someone else can live the Christian life so victoriously. I've heard people say, you know, I just, I, I don't know how it is that so-and-so just is, seems like they just have it together all the time. Like, oh, if you knew them, they didn't have it together all the time. It's just that they know that in Christ, they're, they're more than conquerors. They know that there's, there's a hope that lies beyond the present circumstances. When they, when they come, they, they worship and praise God, and they're more interested in, in the things that are going on with you than to talk about the things that are happening with them. That's all. If you were to simply ask them, they would tell you. And you could pray for them. You see, a victorious Christian life is not a perfect life. But it is one that is truly filled with joy. A joy that can never be stolen. It can never be taken. It is always there. And is before us. The definition of obsessed is to have the mind excessively preoccupied with a single topic. I'd like to be obsessed with God. I'd like to be obsessed with Jesus. Um, it would be fine. In fact, I would be honored if someone were to call me, you're, you're a Jesus freak. Has anybody called you that? You're like, wow, you're so, you're like um, above and beyond. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In Nehemiah 8.10, we read that. And so the person who is standing fast in the Lord has his joy, and in that joy you can see God's strength living through them. Our joy is our strength as Christians, and our strength is gained as we feed on the Word of God. Christians should be the most joy-filled and strongest people in the world because we belong to God. And know His promises. So learn and speak the Word. Meditate on the Word. And when you do the Word of God, you will be prosperous and have good success with strength and courage in the Lord. God knew that by all outward circumstances, Joshua could be frightened and lose heart. In other words, his heart would melt. But God tells him for the third time to be strong and courageous because he's with Joshua. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I love that because the Apostle Paul is reminding Timothy of that very truth. Just as God had told Joshua that it was because he was with them. There is that perfect love that God was demonstrating toward Joshua. He didn't have anything to fear. But he was to stand in the love of God with a sound mind, and with His power, the Lord's power. And then verses 10 through 18. It says, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp, and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan, to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives, gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also... Take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. 
Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. Verse 16, And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. One more time. One more time. Joshua now rallies and brings together the officers of the tribes to tell the people to pack up. You're about to go across the Jordan. Oh, this was the moment. In three days, we're going to go across the Jordan. We're going into the promised land. So pack up. And then he comes to the two and a half tribes. They were the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh. He talked to them, reminded them of the words that the Lord commanded them through Moses. He had given them land east of the Jordan, uh, where the sun rises from. But the rest of the tribes are going to where the sun sets, to the west of the Jordan. And Joshua speaks to them. As he spoke to the officers, he also spoke to these tribes. And I love that. A leader speaking what's difficult to communicate. He didn't leave it for someone else to do, but he talked to them personally. He tells them that they are to help their brethren conquer, possess, and have rest in the promised land. West of the Jordan. You have come to know it east of the Jordan. Your women, children, flocks, all of that can stay, but men of valor, all those who are able-bodied will come with your brethren and fight until they themselves enjoy that rest as you have. And then you can come back to your families and enjoy the land and your families and life here. Just because our lives are in order does not mean we leave our brethren to fend for themselves when they are in difficult circumstances. We help them get situated in the Lord and get through their tough moments. It's happening all the time. Sometimes we enjoy rest in the Lord. It's that time to where we find that strength. We, we walk in the promised land, so to speak, you know, in, in that abundant life. Even though things come our way, we're strong enough in the Lord to deal with them, and then we continue to move on. But there are still others. This, this is where we need to consider our brothers. We, we are, by the way, our brother's keepers. We need to consider where our brothers and sisters are in the Lord and make every effort to help them through difficult times. Sometimes even when it's with us, we need to help them through. There is and will be times, a time to enjoy where God has placed you. But God tells us in His Word that we are to place others' needs above ours. These people recognize Joshua's authority. As we see it in their response to Joshua. All that you have commanded, so we will do. Right? So they recognize Joshua's authority. Awesome. That's to, to do so just like that, and it wasn't just like that. that. That's the one thing that I need to remind you of, that Joshua was Moses' Moses's assistant all the way through for all of these years. So they saw how faithful Joshua was, how it was that he served Moses. And now at this point, they could trust in Joshua because they knew that Joshua himself was given to the Lord. But these people, they recognized Joshua's authority as being from God and promised to obey his command. And then they told Joshua something that God had told him three times before. Now, now the people, it's awesome when the people are echoing the very word of God back to you. I love it. It's so encouraging. It's like, oh, all you can do is just say, amen, amen. 
When, when, when you get together and you start going back and forth with God's Word, it's so encouraging. It's so encouraging. And now they're telling Joshua, the people, only be strong and courageous. Isn't it encouraging when someone else is confident in the Lord? It is. You know, when, when, we're, when we're weak and we see someone that, yeah, oh man, they're strong in the Lord. I know not everything's perfect for them, but man, they're so strong in the Lord. It's encouraging to you. You're, you're stirred up, is what happens in your spirit. Isn't it encouraged when they are strong and courageous and living by faith in God's word? The answer is absolutely yes, definitely. Just remember this. That all through this, Joshua, I mean, Joshua is being prepared by God to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. Victoriously, successfully, prosperously, by faith, standing in God's word, and wherever their feet would step, that is all that the Lord was giving them. He was preparing them to, to lead them successfully and in this way, in a victorious way. But remember this, because God gives Joshua this word because he knows there's going to be difficult circumstances. Times when he wants to just kind of sink and melt in his own heart. There will be situations that he gets into that are beyond him. So just as he needed to remember, so we need to remember today. There's no situation we can get our, our lives into, ourselves into, that God is incapable of getting us through or out of. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Oh, so encouraging, so... Oh, Lord, sometimes these words mean more than at other times. Especially when we're going through difficulties, Lord, when uh, we, we don't see a way out, Lord, and we're overwhelmed, Father. We thank you, Lord, for we can trust in you. You are with us. You are our strength. And Lord, we can cling to you. Look to you for wisdom and discernment, Lord. And Lord, just that word that will get us through. Lord, just one more moment. Lord, may we stand strong with you. Lord, just as you commanded Joshua, so you command to us, Lord, be, to be strong and courageous, Lord. And you, we can do that. Without a doubt, Lord, because you are trustworthy and you are faithful. So we thank you, Lord, for your word. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.